When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So it's been another absolutely stunning day of tennis on day two of Roland Garros from Paris. As we come to you, uh, we are watching the first ever official night session at the French Open. Serena Williams has just taken a very high quality opening set 7-6 against the Romanian arena Camellia Begu. We'll update you on that as the podcast goes along. We'll talk about all that stunning tennis, but unfortunately... It has to go on the back burner because there are more pressing issues at hand. In fact, just one rather pressing issue at hand, and that is the withdrawal from the tournament of the four-time Grand Slam champion and number two seed Naomi Osaka. We had a statement from her a couple of hours ago now. We were recording this just after 9pm UK time. Her statement read as follows. Hey, everyone, this isn't a situation I ever imagined or intended When I posted a few days ago, I think now the best thing for the tournament, the other players and my well-being is that I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on the tennis going on in Paris. I never wanted to be a distraction and I accept that my timing was not ideal and my message could have been clearer. More importantly, I would never trivialise mental health or use the term lightly. The truth is that I've suffered long bouts of depression since the US Open in 2018 And I've had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted. And anyone that has seen me at the tournaments will notice that I'm wearing often headphones as that helps dull my social anxiety. Though the tennis press has always been kind to me and I I want to apologise especially to all the cool journalists who I may have hurt. I am not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give you the best answers I can. So here in Paris, I was already feeling vulnerable and anxious, so I thought it was better to exercise self-care and skip the press conferences. I announced it preemptively because I do feel like the rules are quite outdated in parts, and I wanted to highlight that. I wrote privately to the tournament apologising and saying that I'd be more than happy to speak with them after the tournament, as the slams are intense. I'm going to take some time away from the court now, But when the time is right, I really want to work with the tour to discuss ways we can make things better for the players, press and fans. Anyways, hope you're doing well and staying safe. Love you guys. I'll see you when I see you. Uh, We have had a response from Gilles Moreton, uh, the president of the French Tennis Federation. He came into press, he read a statement and ironically he didn't take any questions. 
this is what his statement said. We are sorry and sad for Naomi Osaka. The outcome of her withdrawal is unfortunate. We wish her the best and quickest possible recovery. We look forward to having her in our tournament next year. Like all the other slams, the WTA, the ATP and the ITF, we remain committed to athlete well-being and to continually improving every aspect of a player's experience in our tournament, including with the media, like we have always strived to do. So that is what we're all reeling from, frankly, still just at the moment. In all honesty, there's a bit of a a downer on the vibe about this podcast. We're all already sad about this situation, about what we've read from Naomi Osaka there, I think. I don't want to put words into either of your mouths, but that's that's my overriding feeling just now. I don't it doesn't change any of the feelings I had about her initial statement, but they feel so insignificant now. The response to that initial statement and it it's that just all feels such a long time ago, all of a sudden, and it all just got so unpleasant so quickly and it it didn't need to end this way, I don't think. But but here we are and it's a desperately sad place to be, David and Matt. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I share that feeling of sadness and um, I just wish her the best. I hope she feels better soon. That above all, everything else, nothing else ultimately really matters. That's that's the most important thing. And and yes, she um, she's an absolutely wonderful tennis talent, and she'll be much missed when she's not playing tennis over the next couple of weeks. And I hope she's able to come back to the the circuit soon, but only when she's feeling better. You know, because it's 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 only a sport. I mean, it's a brilliant sport. It means a heck of a lot to us. We've you know all of us who watch it and it means a lot to her as a, as somebody who plays it but if you if you feel as she feels at the moment then i think you're better not playing it for a while um and we can we can debate and argue about how we've got here and like you i i still feel strongly that that the the overriding reaction that we had and i i have questioned it and i've thought about it and and we've had several emails about it not everybody agrees with things that i might have said a few days ago or or either of, of you i mean it's just it's a it's not a straightforward this is right this is wrong issue and i don't think anybody would pretend that it is there's there's so many levels and textures to it and um but but i certainly feel terribly sorry for her at the moment that she's feels as she does and I hope she feels better soon. Mm. Matt, elaborate on your sadness for us, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't haven't got too much to add. I I echo what you've said. I- extremely sad about this situation. I truly hope Osaka is able to get the support that she needs right now. She needs people's hearts and their empathy, and I hope she gets that. I wish her all the best. This is. As you said, Catherine, it it feels like it didn't, it should never have come to this, um, whatever sort of side of the debate you're on. And actually, I'm not, I'm not sure taking sides is really the way this whole conversation should have gone. And it, it, it felt like it did go down that direction, and it didn't need to. Um, there was there was room for important, compassionate dialogue over all this, and it it saddens me that we didn't get that. 
So that's where we are. The world number two is is no longer in the tournament. Um, who on earth knows whether she will play Wimbledon? Who on earth knows when she will next play tennis? That's obviously that's obviously not the priority. Um, getting herself in a in a decent mental space is the priority. But I always feel like you know the best mental space for Naomi Osaka is when she's playing great tennis and and using that platform and that power to to do good and goodness me I hope we see that again I was I, I did a couple of uh, did a couple of interviews about it today for for the BBC and uh, I was having a background chat with one of the researchers ahead of ahead of the uh, the interview piece and 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 they weren't from the tennis world they were a news person so they were asking pretty rudimentary questions but the final one was could this be the end of her career? And that hadn't even occurred to me, in all honesty. Now, look, I think the answer's probably no. But, you know, the thought cra- flashed through my mind. We, we, can't, mm. we can't take it for granted that she'll ever be in a, in a place to be able to, to cope with the stresses and strains, p- particular to her and her, her personality of being at the top of the sport. So... Yeah, that was a, it. Was a really crushing, crushing moment that I that I couldn't give the answer to that question that I wanted to. Yeah, it's definitely occurred to me today, and I don't, I don't want to sensationalise. I don't want to throw forward unnecessarily, but that's the first time I've heard her speak quite so openly as she did in that statement and candidly and and brutally really about the fact that she's been suffering depression bouts of depression since 2018 and that u.s open and i think we would have guessed at that for sure but but this was the moment where she was absolutely honest and straightforward and came out about that um and i and i hope that that proves to be a healthy thing to have done because i think very often it is it's very difficult to say those things but um you know, I think I think at least we all we all know more now, and um, which 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 I think is helpful. But look, you know, there's no. That's why I I don't feel that people should be casting aspersions on what she should be in the future, and uh, that she should be able to be a tennis player and and all this sort of thing. If she, there is so much more to it than just hitting tennis balls, and. Uh, and particularly with the degree of celebrity she has and the attention on her, it's it's possible that that may may be too much. It, 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 uh, Maybe, fine. but minimising it to hitting tennis balls is is not right either, is it? I mean, that's that's who she is. That's what she does. It's it's fundamental to to her being. It's her career. It's more than it's more than just forehands and backhands. I mean the. the the role of professional tennis player is a package and it's even it's a it's an even bigger package when you're Naomi Osaka or somebody of that degree of celebrity with all that comes to it and and you it's not she can't just be a a player you know you have to be able to do all these other things somehow and and i i hope that there are ways that she can be helped to be equipped to, to do so and and look i i do think there is there is a conversation to be had about ways that the sport can help people that aren't as equipped maybe naturally or 
as as others. Uh, I think what happened earlier this week is that it was so sudden and so out of the blue, and everybody felt blindsided by it. We weren't nobody's ready for it. So what what can you do? She, it was very difficult, and and she she does reference that in her statement, and I think I think she understands that she didn't get that quite right. Mm. Um, but it's 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 very easy to say. I know. Mm, that's it. I, I I think you know if she had her time again, she it sounds like she would word that statement differently and and make it less sort of accusatory towards the press, et cetera, et cetera. And and I'm sort of pleased to hear that. But it's so it's so tr- that point now is so trivial in the scheme of things. Um, it's so significant um, in the in the bigger picture of of one of this sport's greatest assets and and her not being okay right now and we so desperately want her to be okay so oh goodness me it's not the way we wanted to start this podcast at all I'm going to now throw all the most positive exciting dazzling fun things about today at you Uh, first of all I've got Serena Williams shoes they're excellent doesn't work brilliantly on an audio platform but they're great shoes aren't they Colour of a tennis ball, mm. uh, the the, so, the sort of tongs of the uh, of the shoe. I think it is. The, um, uh, I, I struggle to describe shoes, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Matt, help me. We're making great radio here. <laughs> Struggling to describe shoes. Tongs. I think it means. I think that's how Birmingham people say tongs. Oh. I did a double take on it as well. Sorry. <laughs> Dan Evans understood it, didn't you, Dan? <laughs> um, I was picturing something completely different. They're great um, shoes. They're, they're sort of slightly high top, aren't they? And they've got some French, some French on them. Yes, which says "I will never stop" in French. Is that, is that what I said? Mm. It's quite interesting. I mean, I know she hasn't won this yet, but a set and three one up. Just to say, on that first set, she was playing well early on. Then it turned, and she was six five down, and she squeezed through that tie break, but. I don't think, assuming she comes through this, this is this is a good first round match for her to have, isn't it? A real good tightener of the of the skills, get everything going, be pushed about a bit, not just on and off the court in fifty minutes. Mm, definitely, she could play a baby. I mean, of course, Serena Williams is a better player, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely. I, I think you've described it perfectly there. Assuming she comes through this ideal, ideal first round matchup. Jazzy outfit. That's my that's my assessment. I love the colour. I love the vibe. I, I am struggling a little bit with the strobing effect of the very very fine pinstripes. But other than that, feedback positive. Re re all things Serena Williams. Uh, let's stick with the women's side of the draw. Iga Shiontek, the defending champion, was an uplifting sight today. Was she everything about? Everything about her, her performance, the vibes between her and her opponent, Kai Yuvan, who's one of her best friends on tour. The exchange between them at the net after the match. It was Shvontek's 20th birthday today. It was all just loveliness. Let's dwell on the loveliness for a moment, Matt. Yes, absolutely. And in amongst all the loveliness, Shvontek still won a six-love set. You know, this is her best friend on tour, but she's still <laughs> going to beat her six-love set in that opening set. That is, I thought it was a great insight into the 
into the ruthlessness of Sviontek, which we're coming to understand. And when she won that bagel opening set, that meant she'd won her last 19 games in a row. You know, when you include the double bagel she put on Pliskova in Rome and the, and the game of the match before that as well. Yeah, she was flawless in that first set, you know, picked up right where she left off in Rome and in Roland Garros last year, dominating loads of winners. I thought Kai Yuvan played really well in the second set, really um, managed to stay with Sviontek in a way that lots of players haven't been able to do. So that was an, an impressive performance from her. And yeah, it uh, it was a match which started with a hug in the gym before and ended with another hug at the net and also a big sort of post-match debrief. They had a long chat analysing the match and Yuvan uh, saying, I think I played pretty well in that second set, didn't I? And uh, <laughs> Shvantec said, yeah, I think you did. And it was all, it was all really, really lovely. And then Marion Barsity sung Happy Birthday. So <laughs> it was... It was a it was a, a game of highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't quite like Marion Bartoli's post match interviews as a rule, but uh, yeah, her singing is not her mm. strongest. No, but anyway, the the, the the intent was to be to be jolly and mm. and, and nice. Jolliness um, achieved. Yes, she. Uh, I agree in- with that. She was fantastic, Sviantek, and and uh, and but it was getting a bit hairy in that second set. That that I was. Thinking, you know, when it was going four or five or crikey, I'm not, I'm not sure what a third set would look like here, and we weren't far away from it. Mm, we had uh, Sean taking press afterwards, talking about the fact that she got to hit with Rafael Nadal uh, at, on, at, ahead of the tournament. Nadal is, she's been very public about the fact that he's her idol. When she talks about him, it's like she forgets that she is also a French champion, <laughs> French Open champion. It's it's like he she she still considers him and just not even what is something beyond the stratosphere what 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 do stratospheres sit within um, yeah too heavy a question for for ten pm uh, on uh, yeah no, um, any time I can't answer that <laughs> unless Google is attend um, but anyway when she was asked about it she she was. She was just brilliant talking about it. And she told us that she prepared small talk topics in advance. <laughs> we've all done that. Which is a hard relate moment. Yeah, we've all done that with people far less intimidating than Raphael Nadal. <laughs> <laughs> but then the trick is to try and make them sound spontaneous. That's the that's where it gets tricky. Oh, you you have a you have a dog, do you? I I didn't I didn't look up your Instagram earlier. <laughs> I don't know exactly what breed and age is. <laughs> you have an academy. Oh. <laughs> I'd like one of those one day. Um, I am darting around a bit here, but let's go, seeing as I'm flinging all the good things of today at you, let's go to Ostapenko against Kenin. Oh the, yes, please, yes, please. That 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 gets me into a, a different headspace thinking about that. So thank you, Catherine. I'm glad we've moved on to that. Mm, take uh, us on the journey with you, David, I because we'd been we'd been very much shortchanged on the agro front uh, with Bublik and Medvedev yes. earlier on. Today. I'm not not even gonna we're not even gonna address it. I'm just gonna tell you it was crap and totally shenanigan free, and uh, Medvedev won. Yeah, and and all of the helping of Agro that we were expecting in that 
ended up going into Ostapenko and Ken, and yet and yet none of it was really unpleasant. It was just it was just the classic pantomime stuff that we love, where they're both being incredibly demonstrative about everything and uh, every emotion, every winner, every failed shot. It was all arms in the air and come on and spinning around in glee and then and then shoulders slumping in just devastation and then off and on. And this was just literally after every point. I mean, on both sides of the net, something was happening at the same time. And it was wonderful. And the tennis was good too because Kenin, Kenin looked like herself today, which was really pleasing because she's another – player I've worried about a little bit of late. I mean, she's had the separation as coach and player from her father, which I, th- I suspect has probably been, you know, it can be pretty traumatic that given how much shared history they have and, and everything else. And, um, and she's had some horrible losses, really some pretty meek losses, nothing like her. And yet today against a player who's hitting the ball the way Ostapenko does and who came back from a set down Ostapenko and just a reminder of the purity of her ball strike, the way it comes off the strings without her seeming to even try to hit it that hard. And you watch it go through the air. And for Kenin to withstand that and ultimately win the deciding set, I think was a major achievement for her. I mean, she's got a horrible draw here, really. But what a what a competitor. I mean, it was a terrible draw and Kenin's come through it. And you never know with her. She's somebody who can get a horrible draw and end up making major inroads. She she never gets picked for the title, does she? None of us have her in anywhere near the quarterfinals, I don't think. And yet you wouldn't be surprised if she gets it together. She's proved mm. she can do it. Yeah, great point. None of us had her anywhere near the final um, last year. You know, I, I, I said it at the time, I, I found her reaching that final a more impressive feat um, than her winning the Australian Open, so um, yeah, I'm I'm sad that Ostapenko's face is out of the tournament, uh, but I'm <laughs> I'm very pleased for Sofia Kenin. A less success for Bianca Andreescu. She lost nine seven in the third set to Tamara Zidane. She did serve for the match. Did Andreescu in that third set? She had enormous support. She was in, on one of the outside courts with pretty limited seating around it and uh, I, I, there was there was no commentary on the feed that I was watching but you didn't need it because the the volume of support for Bianca Andreescu these chants of her name in a heavily French accented communal voice was extraordinary and look she was she was gutted to lose that match I think it will it will fire her up further. That's what she said after press. She said, I'll probably cry all night tonight, but I'll cu- I'll come back stronger. You know, uh, she looked fit. I thought that's the positive that I'm taking from that loss for Andrescu and, and the 24 points. <laughs> um, because because I, I picked Zidansek uh, for that because I thought Andrescu wasn't fit. Um, but actually, I think she just wasn't, wasn't match tight. Um, had she been much tight, she would have come through that. With all due respect for Zidansek, for whom this is a great breakthrough. Um, yeah, what, what did you think of that one, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it was a great match. And I think this is 
you know, a win like this has probably been coming for Zidane. She actually lost a very tight match. I remember at Roland Garros last year, I think 8-6 in the third to Muguruza. She's a, she's a good player on clay and she's in an open section of the draw now and could take advantage of it if this match hasn't taken too much out of her. I think from Andrescu's perspective, she felt like such a wild card in this draw because I really didn't know how she was going to get on. I, I think I put her in my semi-finals, and any other player coming in with the preparation she'd had, I wouldn't have even contemplated putting them in the semi-finals. But given what we've seen from Andrescu in the past, it felt possible, despite the illness she's had, the injury she's had, the lack of matches she's had recently, and on clay throughout her whole career. But considering all that, of course, it isn't a surprise that she's lost in the first round to a player playing very well on clay. Um, yeah, just not quite as match tough as you would expect in a position to serve it out. I kind of expect Andrescu to do that. Um, but positive is that she seemed physically fit. And mm. she, as you said, disappointed, but I think raring to go on the grass. Can't wait to see her on grass. Mm. You're absolutely right about that, like what you think about her when you see her in a draw because there was a I think she was serving at one two in the second set. She goes love forty down and then she played the most extraordinary five points to 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 hold that game and I thought, oh she's probably gonna win the tournament now. <laughs> she has a unique ability to look spent and be giving yeah. off I'm winning the tournament vibes. Yeah. I had I was on what at Love Forty Down I was I was texting saying I I'm regrettably celebrating my 24 points and then sort of two and a half minutes later I was like I think, I think she's going to win the thing um, she just you know, you she defies I, gravity in that way I didn't mention my Kenin points but anyway um, <laughs> I, I think Andrescu is going to be a clay court player when when if she can well, just well, she have, thinks so David yeah well she thinks she's going to be an everything player um, <laughs> when she's right <laughs> all the evidence is there is she going to be a grass court player there's no reason why not. Her game can work on anything, I think, because it's adaptable. There's, diff there's different it's, things it can do, I think. The movement, though, isn't it? Yeah, I would. I mean, look, the problem is I say she's an everything player. She's also a nothing player because she can't get it together to play and last without mm. injuries. And I don't. if that doesn't stop, she could have a really disappointing career in terms of what she ends up with. Because she, the skill set, the winning the US Open at the age she did and with the lack of experience she did is so exciting. And we've just no idea of knowing whether her body can, can cope. I thought we well, were going another for massive uplifting downer. vibes, yeah. David. Massive <laughs> bummer. Thank you, David. Uh, and I've, I've already spent my, spent my biggest, my biggest uh, um, uppers on the agenda so far. So I'm scrabbling around here. Marquetta von Druzheva fans will be pleased. Uh, she won today six love in the third over Kaya Kanepi. Nadia Podoroska, remember her semi-finalist last year? She lost today six love, six three to Belinda Bencic, who I unexpectedly put in my semi-finals, I think. It was one of those ones where I sat down with the draw and wasn't expecting Belinda Bencic to feature anywhere, but then went through the matchups and suddenly there she is and all of my credibility rests upon her shoulders. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, that happened. And probably the other notable result from the, or definitely the other notable result from the women's draw today was the loss of former champion Garbinia Muguruza to 18-year-old Marta Kostrick, 6-1, Muguruza had a medical timeout in the match for a back injury. She was struggling with her serve. It was... It was a tough one to see for her, but uh, given you're in need of a win, Matt, I'm I'm going to be generous and say you very, very broadly and vaguely <laughs> saw this coming from Kostyuk. Yes, if anyone's <laughs> thinking, Marta Kostyuk, whoever heard that name on this podcast, that was my very, very vague prediction at the start of the year that she would, I'm not sure what terms I put it in, do something or rise or have some good wins, something like that. Anyway, she ticked all the boxes today. You probably said I've got my eye on her. Mm, something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean, she was she was very, very good. I think Muguruza was obviously below par, but I thought she was still playing okay. You know, she clearly had some physical issues, but Kostiuk really had to play well, and she's very... Very aggressive on her ground stroke. She's a great athlete, and she just had too much overwhelming game for what for what Muguruza could cope with today. And um, first top twenty win of her career, so definitely definitely a bit of a breakthrough for her. She's done a thing. Congratulations, Hooray. Matt. Um, so that's kind of it for the women's side of the draw. As I speak to you, Serena Williams is serving for the match at five two in the second set. So assuming. She takes that game. I'd, I'd definitely restate what we said mere minutes ago, which is that this is the ideal opening to, to the French Open for Serena Williams. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. 
That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. On to the men's draw. I've mentioned that Bublik Medvedev was an absolute fart in a lift. Um, <laughs> Matt, you, you spoke to Medvedev afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, allow me a moment to laugh at fart in a lift. Um, I'm doing my best here to, <laughs> to raise spirits. What, what did he speak to Medvedev about? Well, I'm 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 sorry to take this on a on a downer note again. Oh, <laughs> no. What lower than fart in a lift? <laughs> well, the thing is, we love to joke about Medvedev on clay, and I think he's been wonderful at allowing us to lean into that. Um, he is, by the way, doubling down on the fact that he feels great on the clay. <laughs> he, said, he said, it was not mind games when I told you I was playing amazing. I love the balls here. I love the conditions. I'm really confident I'm going to play and if I'm, I'm going to play well. And if I do lose, it's going to be because my opponent's playing really well. Those were his words today. This is, this is his first ever Roland Garros win. Love Correct. the balls, love the conditions. Yeah, exactly. But... What I spoke to him about was his COVID. You know, he had he, he, he contracted COVID earlier this year. And I just found it interesting in light of what we've seen from Medvedev recently, which obviously has not been particularly impressive. And I think we've all put that down to the clay. And that is definitely, I'm sure, a big, big factor. But he did say he only really started feeling 100% about a week ago, about a week and a half ago, perhaps, he said the effects, wow. the effects of COVID have lingered for five or six weeks, you know, after the initial isolation period, feeling not himself, not feeling good in training. And he and kind of reflecting on it now, he thinks he was only at about 60 or 70 percent in Madrid. And, you know, I'm sure that's a big reason why his results haven't been what he would have expected of himself. So, he does thankfully say that he's fully recovered now and, as he keeps saying, feeling great, which is which is good news. But I thought it was an important comment and reminder that, you know, we've seen a lot of players just get COVID and, you know, I think we've got so used to that now. But, you know, this is a real thing and it can really affect you for quite a while, even, mm. even very fit athletes. That's really, really interesting. Very interesting. It's been covid Yet another bad thing about COVID, it has been masking the true clay court brilliance <laughs> of Daniil Medvedev, just when he thought the damn virus couldn't get any worse. Um, what else happened today? Roger Federer played his first Grand Slam match in more than 400 days. To be honest, I hadn't hadn't quite processed how long it had been since Federer had, had played Grand Slam. Of course, if you'd asked me, I would have thought back and realised, but it's been a it's been a darn tootin' long time since Roger Federer played Grand Slam tennis. He thrashed Dennis Istomin, who he's never lost to before. Kind of a dream draw for him. Six two, six four, six three. The only thing that didn't work for him today was an attempted tweener. Um I thought he served really well. It was it was a completely smooth, uneventful match. It was the dream for Roger Federer. It was. It was. I mean, I agree with you. It was the perfect first round draw. If he, if he could have chosen somebody, and no disrespect to Dennis Sisterman, who's a guy who's beaten Novak Djokovic at a Grand Slam, um, that's that did happen, didn't it? Mm, Australia. <laughs> that did happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I suddenly, I'm suddenly looking at <laughs> you. And you should have seen right? his face, folks. 
<laughs> and uh, um, seeing him today, that's hard to credit, not because he's not a good player. I mean, he qualified here, didn't he? He got through the qualifying rounds, which takes some doing. But it was just perfect for Federer. It's kind of his era type of opponent. He hasn't got to worry about somebody coming along with an artillery that he hasn't faced before or anything like that. And look, and Federer moved pretty well to me, I thought, today, considering. But at the same time, you just saw the sheer extent of his talent that he could roll his arm over, get 95% first serves in the first set, and just kind of manipulate points depending on what's required with his racket skills rather than... I don't know. He, he didn't have to impose every element of his game on top of the guy. He was, he was just way, way too good. And I have to say, uh, towards the start of the set, third set, I just, I decided to leave the symphony and go over to the mosh pit of Kenin and uh, <laughs> and Ostapenko personally. But I don't know. What did you think? There was some interesting insight from Federer about how he felt here compared to Geneva in his in his press conference. Most notably, I remember we commented on that match in Geneva he played against Andujar, that he was standing really far back on return in that second and third set because he didn't seem particularly sure how he wanted to play. And he actually said today he thinks that was a mistake. He he thinks in hindsight that was a mistake against Andujar because that's not how he plays. But it was an insight into how he was feeling then, which was just unsure and not quite right. Whereas today he said... He was standing up on the return and that's his natural return. And he was much more clear headed about how he wanted to play. Um, And he also said that in Geneva, he rushed at the end because he just wasn't used to matches again. And there wasn't much crowd there that he had to wait for. And he said he just rushed through the points and he should have taken his time and composed himself. And he really concentrated on doing that today. I think he's learnt, you know, Federer is an incredibly quick, learner and processor of information I think on a tennis court and he gained a lot from that performance in in Geneva and he yeah for sure Istamin was a perfect opponent for him but he he seems to have made one or two steps since we last saw him in Geneva and looks in a much better place. He plays Marin Cilic now because Marin Cilic did win today. (laughs) Hooray! Who did he beat Matt? He beat Arthur Rindeneck. I'm not quite sure how 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 to pronounce that final name. Um, yeah, the guy I predicted would beat Marin Cilic. Anyway, him. <laughs> I was um, thinking that. I, I was saying, didn't somebody predict that? Well, it can't yeah. be Matt because he that's, doesn't even seem to know his I name. Was, that's what I was getting at. Mm. I just yeah. He, yeah, you you wanted me to you wanted to tease it out of me. I in was a t- long <laughs> and tortured fashion. Is it not subtle? <laughs> Like my oh, you've got a dog, have you? Oh, <laughs> oh who who predicted uh, Rinderknecht? Anyway, we do, we uh, we don't get to say his name anymore because Marin Cilic won today, and he plays Roger Federer in round two. Let's all party like it's like it's twenty fourteen. Oh, and that's when that's when Marin Cilic beat him, isn't it? The U.S. Mm, Open in was, the semi-finals. Mm, yeah, that was good didn't memory. pluck that. Date out of nowhere, David. No, I, I suppose I, I, my mind went back to their two Grand Slam final meetings more recently. The, the, the desperately disappointing and upsetting Wimbledon final when Marin Cilic was in tears because he got blisters and really couldn't compete in that final, and then the the brilliant Australian Open final they had not not so long afterwards, uh, which Federer won both of those. But yeah, they've got a, a good Grand Slam history between them, and. Um, 
it would be nice to see Chilich play well and in fact both of them just play really well and, and give a bit of the sort of vibes we had yesterday with Azarenka and Kuznetsova I, I do like mm. those sort of matches mm. Uh, elsewhere in the men's draw today, we had a thriller uh, between Pierre Huguet wearing the shirt of the tournament so oh. far, a lovely sort of emerald Lacoste number, which can be yours for the low, low price of £95. <laughs> do, do your taxes over that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, unfortunately, that's that's. That, I'm glad his his clothing is so lovely, and I hope it keeps him warm tonight because he lost from match point up. Oh. Yannick Sinner today did Pierre Hugues did Sinner win it, Matt, or did Pierre Hugues lose it? Oh, what a great question! Uh, well, on his on his match point, Herbert wildly missed a very very makeable backhand. You know, he sort of shanked it at a right angle. Do you know, it was, it was a quintessential Roland Garros first few days experience watching that match. I feel like I've seen it many, many times before from Pierre Huguerbert playing beguiling tennis and brilliant tennis to get himself into a match against a top-seeded player who he has no real right to be beating and playing off the court. So it was so, so impressive. You know, Sinner at times looked like a guy with a plan A, which when it works is brilliant. And he took the racket out of Herbert's hand in the first set and won it easily. And he's got a gear that Herbert can't reach. But Herbert looked like a guy with several different plans and he adopted all of them. He was kept coming forward and playing his tennis, his way, his style, it was it was a real treat to watch. I loved this match, but you just you just knew where it was heading, and it was good to see Sinner really fight actually, and and he did play very well at the end of the fourth set to win it, and good in the fifth. There's a coldness to him sometimes when he when he needs to finish a match, and he did that today when that was kind of the element that was missing from from Air Bear. So. You know, it, it was a little bit of both. They both impressed in different ways. Um, but it's it's an important win for Sinner to get through that because he's had some really tough draws recently. And this was a tough draw, I suppose, but he's got through it. And now I think the next couple of rounds should be a bit easier for him before a potential fourth round with, with Nadal. Um, but yeah, great, great match in a, in a cracking atmosphere as well. First ever five-set victory. I think, mm. for, for Yannick Sinner. I, I think it's a really positive sign for him. OK, he had his troubles against a really difficult player to play against, but the fact that he doesn't look for excuses when it's going badly is a really good sign. He's happy to go and have the fight, isn't it? Wasn't it Karatsev he beat not long ago in a real scrap I seem to remember a few weeks back. Mm. And, and he's beaten Bautista Agu, I think, three times this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he might have lost some of these, but at every stage I just get the sense that he's banking data and, and how to play these long matches right. Now, that's, that's a five-set match he's just won, so fine. I know how to do that now. And at no point was he looking around for somebody to blame or when it wasn't going well. He just knuckled down and got on with what what he believes is the right thing to do to to win the match and he did win the match and i think actually it's uh, it's another really big step for him Carlos Alcaraz won today in a sleeveless 
vest. Mm, he's come dressed as Nadal. Just to double down on the Rafael Nadal comparisons, I, I reckon Grigor Dimitrov's probably giving him a call today saying, mate, you'll, you'll regret that in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he was very, very good. He's come through Qualies, uh, Alcaraz, and uh, won today in straight sets. Uh, Sebastian, I'm ho- hovering because I don't know whether to call him Seb, Sebi or Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian Corder lost today um, in straight sets to Pedro Martinez after winning his first title last week. Just I think he two- had treatment yeah. early on. I think he wasn't feeling so good, but I'm not sure what the, the issue was. Yeah, that's a real shame because... He was being talked about, I think, fourth round at, at this tournament last year. He can really play on clay, Corder, and could have been an exciting exciting player in, in that section of the draw. He was the first American man to win a title on European clay for 11 years when he won wow. in Palmer. And the previous man to do that was Sam Querrey. Oh, he lost today to John Isner. He did. Thanks for leading me on to that bombshell. Uh, Lorenzo Musetti beat David Goffin. Amazingly, Musetti was uh, the favourite going into that match. Um, he struggled to get over the line, Musetti. It, it got into a third set tie break, which was really entertaining, but he got there in the end. Uh, so Musetti's through and he's just an entertaining... He makes good matches, Musetti, somehow. Um, and we've had Casper uh, Ruud win today from a set down against Benoit Paire, who was in tears after the match. The French crowd's chanting his name. He sat there with a, a towel over his head in tears. You know, we don't agree um, with a lot of what Benoit Paire does and how he handles his emotional turmoil, but we must acknowledge that there is emotional turmoil there. Um, and yeah, it's tough. Being a professional tennis player is tough. And I defy anyone to see a man, a man in tears, um, with a towel over his head, sort of, you know, visibly audibly sobbing and, and not be moved by that. So, uh, that was quite something. Um, Brit watch today. We've had, uh, three Brits in action. Uh, Heather Watson lost out to Zarina Diaz, uh, that's disappointing for Heather Watson. She was a breakup in the second set, lost it. She I think was... she got a cold. I was, I was yeah. hearing about. Um, Joe Conta lost to Serana Castella. That is bad news for her ranking. I tell uh, you what, that, that what's just struck me about that when that was going on is that I didn't go and watch that at all because I kind of expected it mm, to happen. And, and I, I, I sort of put about three other matches ahead of it in terms of importance, and I think that that shows how far she's fallen. Mm, yeah, really. uh, I had exactly the same feeling about it. Whereas when she lost to Castella at the US Open uh, last year, that felt like a real shock to me, despite what a good player Castella is. This felt the opposite. It felt kind of routine for, for Castella and very much expected. But Cam Norrie... Uh, is the only Brit in to round number two. He beat Bjorn Fratangelo today. Um, only last bit of business to cover, I think, is that Novak Djokovic did his pre-tournament press today. And Matt, what did you ask him? I asked him about his rivalry with Rafa Nadal, specifically on clay. You know, this was a, a, a thought that came to me after their 
final in Rome a couple of weeks ago, not had a chance to go to any of his press conferences since then. So this was my first opportunity. And specifically that point that there was a there was a period in his career where Djokovic won more matches on clay against Nadal than he lost. You know, a long period. Didn't always translate to wins at Roland Garros, but generally he had the better of their rivalry on clay. Whereas in the last few years, it's gone back the other way and Nadal has really dominated it. So I just wanted to get his thoughts on that really and try and get to the bottom of why he feels that has tipped back in Nadal's favour. And he gave an interesting answer. He said that he puts those results down to his performances. He was obviously made it clear Nadal is great on clay, but there's a part of him, I think, that ex- still expects him to beat Nadal on clay. I think there's a, that's an insight into his mindset of what he expects from himself. Um, and he thinks he did a lot better in Rome than he's done recently, and he perhaps unlocked something. But he's clearly been dissatisfied that that rivalry has gone back to Nadal on clay so dramatically. And it sounds like, you know, something has, something has fallen off from his game on clay in these, in these last few years. So just just interesting, I think, that, you know, obviously with them in the same half of the draw, it's a match that we can expect probably to see in these next two weeks. I just felt mm. it was, you know, a decent time to get his thoughts on that. Definitely. Very interesting. Also interesting is that Djokovic will play the night session tomorrow mm. on Chatrier against Tennis Sang- Sangren. That they're a tough watch, these these night sessions, because of the lack of crowd. I know that's only the case till next week, and it's absolutely not what what the FFT wanted or planned. But the contrast of going from crowd to no crowd makes no crowd tougher to watch, tougher mm. to stomach, without question, I think. And it must be the same for the players too. And it sounded like Djokovic didn't really know there wasn't going to be any crowd for the night session. Uh, he, ah. I mean, I mean, he he knew by the time the schedule had come out, I think, but he had to be told, I think, this week. It, it wasn't something he knew. He, he was quite shocked and he's not looking forward to it, put it that mm. way. It's quite a gear change, isn't it? If mm. you think about what these players... I mean, watching Serena tonight reminded us, I don't know, of the French Open last year, really, and... And yet the daytime feels like normal French mm. Open. And um, the the gear shift is, is a significant one. Nighttime, never had that before. Empty stadium, well, got used to that. And then the day session, completely different. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Alina Svitolina kicks things off on Chatrier tomorrow against Ocean Babel. So I'm going with that. Uh, Ash Barty is next against Bernarda Perra. These are obviously all still first rounds because first round takes place over three days with the Sunday start. Then and not before 4pm local, 3pm UK for Rafael Nadal against Alexi Popperin. And then night session is Djokovic against Sangren. Uh, Fiona Ferro, eyes emoji on her, starts things off on Longland. Then it's Monfils against Ramos Vinalas. Um, which amazing that's a, a first round match. Ramos Vinyalas not seeded, Monfils seeded 14th, but somehow you feel Ramos Vinyalas the favourite in that one, or certainly I feel that. Then it's the matchup that we're still um, taking submissions for, for punchlines for. It's Gasquet against Gaston. There's definitely a, a brilliant joke in there somewhere. 
we just haven't settled on exactly exactly what it needs to be. You've got until tomorrow's podcast to let us know your submissions for that. And then it's Pliskova against Vekic. Uh, that's the upset that I've gone for in the predictions tomorrow. Um, I think that's a very tough draw for Karolina Pushkova. Uh, you've got Ugo and Burr in action on Simon Mathieu, Kihina Denovic, Matteo Berrettini. Uh, and last up on that court, Carla Suarez Navarro playing her final French Open, returning to tennis, of course, after uh, receiving treatment for uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, she got the all clear a few weeks ago and she takes on former finalist Sloane Stevens. So that's a lovely, uplifting note to end on the return of Carla Suarez Navarro. So that's tomorrow. I'm sorry today's been such a bummer. <laughs> um, get well soon. Naomi Osaka is uh, is the note that I think we should end on. Uh, we should also tell you that our mascot for the whole tournament is Lucci and also Phoebe. Um, Lucci no longer with us. Phoebe very much still with us. A lovely uh, corgi, big fan of corgis. Uh, Billy Jean, it's all edited out, so you won't hear any of it. But Billy Jean wreaked havoc in the recording of this this podcast. So, um, yeah, do better, Billy Jean, who's sponsored by Billy Jean King. Uh, my mascot is Zeus, and we've had we've had a great day, Zeus. You're welcome. Matt's is Scouse or Mousel, let down by Rinderknech, <laughs> and uh, David and Sophia Kennan have done good things for Rogue rogue today so well done uh chris albert lee is our executive producer and we have shout outs matt who are they for lynn charles All right lynn like ray charles yeah, but lynn um... <laughs> yes. indeed and lynn is going to be a guest editor later in the year oh, ah fantastic. hooray hello lynn oh, great stuff thanks lynn I, ha- I hear the word, hear the name Lynn in Alan Partridge voice. Lynn, Lynn. <laughs> anyway, next. <laughs> <laughs> next is Rory O'Neill. Oh, right, hello, Rory. My godson or guide son is called Rory. There's a good golfer called Rory, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. And O'Neill, like Tatum O'Neill, of formerly being married to John McEnroe fame. Yeah. Amongst other things. Yeah. Thanks, Rory. <laughs> and finally, Andrea Navarro. Oh, oh. What a great name. Isn't there a tennis player with the surname Navarro? Carla Suarez Navarro. Well, there's Suarez Navarro, but I feel like there's just a straight-up Navarro as well. But anyway, let's, let's let that link us back to the good news story that is Carla Suarez Navarro returning to tennis tomorrow let's end on a high note it's been a tough old day thank you for listening we hope to bring you better news in tomorrow's tennis podcast even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.